Good morning, Father. Good morning, John Ray. I have no idea what we're talking about. There's a few things we can bring up, uh, but I also... Are we talking about James or Andrew? <laughs> so <laughs> You had to know I, that I was yeah, going to bring that so up. I, I, uh, <laughs> we were just talking about what we could talk about, and we didn't decide. And then I was rereading the, the readings, and I said, oh. in my homily, I said, Peter, James, or Peter, John, and Andrew in my homily. And I was like, and while I was saying it, I was like, that's not, that can't be right, but I have it here. So then it must be right. Mm-hmm. But like, and then I just reread it and I said, that's why, because it's Peter, James, and John. Peter yeah. James, John, not. Peter and what did Andrew. I say? I said the majority of the people that listen to your homily probably never even heard it. Yeah, maybe. I'd, I have hope that there's people in there like, nope, Father. I guarantee you there are people that came to Mass this weekend that didn't even notice that Father Brady was crutching around the sanctuary. <laughs> that was just sitting in the chair and wasn't yeah. doing anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I would have, I would have probably been one of those people. Like if I was sitting in the pews and stuff, I was like, yeah, I'm just, just here, man. I'm just yep. here for, uh, for Jesus. And showing up's half the thing, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, which is what Peter, James, and and John did. They showed up for the Transfiguration. Yep. Uh, it's. I think it's. Well, this is one that I didn't think about talking about. Is like the friendship. There's a whole lot of different things we can talk about today. So I'll just bring up a bunch of topics and then we'll see whichever one comes up. So first in our first reading, when the Lord talks to Moses and he says, I'll make of you a great nation, right? And it's this idea of this uh, divine economy, the salvation economy of like how Christ or how God works over time and slowly builds up what we would call now the church or his divine adoption, right? So he starts with one person and then he starts and then he goes to their family and then he goes to their little tribe and then their nation and then eventually the whole world, right? So everyone is called to be Catholic. Catholic means universal mm-hmm. and how God works over time, slowly growing his people. So there's that. Um, of course, the transfiguration, we can talk about why it was Elijah and Moses that was with Jesus. and then. Also, um, Peter, James, and John, why it was those three that was with Jesus. But then also, um, friendship, right? Why did uh, Jesus obviously has his disciples, his 12 disciples, friends, but then he also has very close friends, his three, right? Peter, James, and John, multiple times, uh, Christ calls just those three for very intimate things, right? Uh, and so kind of our levels of friendship and what is healthy friendships and bad friendships look like. That could be interesting. So this question came up before we get into friendship and the three and the all. All the things. All the things. Um, <clears throat> Moses and Elijah appear in the transfiguration, right? Mm-hmm. Is that, does, is there a connection? And you talked about scripture last week. Yes. And we talked about the Old Testament, the New Testament being the fulfillment, right, of mm-hmm. the, the Old Testament. Is there a correlation between Moses and Elijah in the transfiguration and the old law and the fulfillment in the new law? Yes. So the law came And if you to, talked about that in your homily, I apologize. I didn't listen to it. No, I did not talk about uh, okay. that in my homily. Uh, no, Moses w- was given the law by God, right? So the Ten Commandments. Um, Moses was given the law 
And then the prophets, Elijah represents the prophets. So the entire Old Testament is called what we would say the law and the prophets. Jesus makes reference to this throughout Scripture, right? I came to fulfill the law, uh, not to abolish it, huh? The law, uh, according to the law and the prophets, right? So mm-hmm. the entire Old Testament, nicknamed the law and the prophets. The first five books of the Bible, the Torah, is called the law. Ooh, and we're it, going in the last Tuesday night. Let's go. Yeah. Yep. The first five books of the, of the Bible is called the law, the Torah. Uh, and then after that is the prophets. You have the major prophets, and then you have the 12 minor prophets. Um, and, and so that's essentially it. Now, Christ appearing with those two in the transfiguration, well, one, it shows that both the law and the prophets recognize the divinity of Christ and what he's come to do. Right, so it represents. It is a big symbol for what the entire Old Testament has been waiting for. Okay, right. This is the final chapter of the book. We're finally here, the climax. Don't give away the ending. <laughs> we find out about that on Easter Sunday. Yep. Uh, <laughs> but then also, those are the two uh, figures in the Old Testament that saw the face of God. Okay. Right. So they Moses went up the mountain, uh, talked with God. And when he came down, that people couldn't see his face. Right. Or, um, or Elijah, whenever he was taken up in a, uh, in a chair, a fiery chariot, right? And so it rep, let's see, what did I read and how did they word it? That like, it was finally taking down the veil of the face of God. Because in the Old Testament, they were able to converse with God, but behind, I guess we'd say behind a veil, right? There was some type of blocker, right? We couldn't. We couldn't see his face or, you know, we had to hide our face. Who can see God and live? Or that mindset. Okay. Or that image, yeah, yeah. right? But now they're talking face to face with God and you can see. There's no essential, what we'd call, like a blocker or a veil or whatever, right? The mm-hmm. humanity of Christ is how we access God. Before, we couldn't access God directly. So Christ becomes the removal of the veil. Yeah, Christ. Christ, Christ becomes the mediator, the the, the window mm-hmm. between heaven and earth. Yeah. So it's said, like in theology, it says that Christ is a great mediator between God and man. Mm-hmm. The humanity of Jesus Christ is how we access God. That so God becoming man, assuming a human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. That is how we access God. Which brings us to friendship. It's mm-hmm. the relationship with Jesus that, yes. and the friendship that he had with his apostles, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's the, I, this is kind of the fulfillment of another section of the gospel, Jacob's Ladder. Jacob's Ladder is in Genesis, and you know, he lays his head on a rock, and he goes to sleep, and then he sees everyone ascending and descending from this ladder. Well, the ladder is the humanity of Jesus Christ. Okay. Right, people are ascending and descending to God and from God on the humanity of Christ, and this friendship we have with Christ. The closer we are to to Jesus, the closer we are to God, because that's how we access the Trinity: the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So that, yeah, and the friendship, right? Levels of friendship. St. Thomas Aquinas has divisions of friendship. And uh, 
and and divisions of love, right? So how the different levels of it and what do they mean? It's important that people have good friendships, right? We need a circle of friends. Ecclesiastes talks about friendship, right? Mm-hmm. Is it Ecclesiastes? Sirach. Okay. Um, a true friend is a sturdy shelter. Yeah. One who finds one, one finds a treasure, mm-hmm. right? And that let your acquaintances be many, but your friends be few. Mm-hmm. And that is key, right? Because if you want to live the life of faith, if you want to follow Jesus closely, it will be tough, right? It is very far and few in between that your intimate, close circle of friends are within your family, right? And I don't mean like your immediate family, right? So I, like, okay, if you're your dad, okay, your wife and your kids, you need, to, you need to get on top of that, right? But like, if your family's not found Jesus yet, and you're trying to live the faith, that's going to be very tough, right? How come you won't come to the wedding? Well, they're, they're Catholic and they're not getting married in the church, and so it's not a wedding. Well, that's, <laughs> oh man, oh man, you just put a big splinter right in the middle of the, the family uh, unit, right? But you, you, have to, you have to do that, right? Because that's a, that is a legitimate thing, right? How come you won't come to this? Because that's against the faith, right? But they're, they're going to it. And so the whole family is going to be there. I, I know, but I just can't go to that. And it's going to be awkward for the family. And But now you see if you have a close-knit group of friends, and when I say friends, three. Right? Jesus had three. So I don't think it needs to be more than like, oh, I have 10 close friends. Mm, I doubt it. Right? Uh, now, good friends, like, oh, absolutely, right? But like, the people you rely on in extraordinarily difficult moments uh, that you can be, feel supported by, that's your family, that's not family, I would say. Um, those are, that's, that should be a low number because those are people you need to rely on. And as a, um, and as a precaution, I would say it should be, like if you're a male, it should be other guys. And if you're a female, it should be other women, right? Because you don't want to cross any boundaries, especially if you're married, right? So this is just something I tell people. Like if you're married, your closest friend is, is going to be your spouse, right? And no other opposite sex should kind of get in between that, right? Just out of respect for that relationship, right? So like my closest friend that are going to be my inner circle are all guys, right? Because we're going to be able to bounce things off of each other just because, we're, you know, there should be proper boundaries with that. And you want your close friends to also not just be somebody that you can trust, but somebody that's going to challenge you, right? Mm. Somebody, your friends are going to challenge you to holiness. Jesus brought Peter, James, and John up the mountain with him, right? Because those were his closest friends. And he had plans for them. Right. And the transfiguration in many ways were a challenge, right? They were an opportunity for Peter, James, and John to grow in holiness. Was it not? It was, it was a way that Jesus was able to affirm their faith Mm -hmm. before they were tried, right? Because they were all going to die for the faith, except St. John, but St. John was going to be, well, it wasn't because they didn't try to kill him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was going to have what's called a white martyrdom 
uh, he'd endure immensely for the faith, but without shedding his blood. And so um, each one of them were going to be tried immensely. And, and so Jesus shows them the transfiguration of what is to come. And look, Peter still abandoned Jesus at the cross. It still denied him. But he was able to return back and become that rock he was called to be, yeah. the, the first pope. So the, yeah, that close friendship, being able to, well, I've said before, huh? Are you crazy when you're crazy and lazy when you're lazy? But to be a support system for each other, um, that they're able to rely on each other and help each other live the faith in a way that they wouldn't have been able to before. Right? I definitely have uh, my close group of friends that uh, if it wasn't for them, oh, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be able to live the faith I, I, I am today. And not, I'm called to much greater, but um, I am what I am for the, by the grace of God. Yeah. So close friends, St. Thomas Aquinas has a quote, and uh, I'd hate to misquote him or to seem like it's so, it's, I'm doing it too much, but I believe he does have this quote where he says, a, a true friend is the most valuable thing this side of heaven. Mm. Well, I mean, that's essentially what Sirach says about friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you also mentioned three. Three is important. You talked about friendship, talked about the fulfillment of the law. Well, I talked about like um, why it was those three. Oh, okay. Why it was those three. So Peter, Sorry, I wasn't paying attention. No, no, no. Well, three is still, <laughs> three is still heavily symbolic. I, I'm sure, you know, the church fathers who are masters at, at uh, pulling out symbolism within Scripture, I'm sure they have something, or especially Aquinas. Um, but Peter, simply because St. Peter loved Jesus the most. Right? He loved Jesus the most. And Jesus loved John the most. Yep. And, My and, name's John. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I Jesus. met a guy the other day who introduced himself as John. He was like Jesus's favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I had never. Heard God that loves before. everyone, but He loves me the most. Yeah, John was able to say that. <laughs> and then Andrew, who's the brother of Saint Peter, um, James, James. I said Andrew again. Yeah, you see, look, people, uh, priests make mistakes too. Uh, so Peter loved Jesus the most. And that's important because he was going to follow Jesus and become the first pope. And so essentially the Holy Father, the pope, the figure of the Holy Father should love Jesus the most. This doesn't mean he's the holiest. It doesn't mean he's the the greatest mystic, right? So St. John is the greatest mystic um, of them all. But it does mean that that he's going to be willing to walk on water to follow Jesus. And Peter, I, I really do love the the figure of St. Peter in Scripture. And he kind of, at least for me, I he gets kind of overshadowed by St. Paul because St. Paul is just so radical to me. Uh, but Peter constantly is doing radical things, absurd things, to just follow Jesus. And he's just kind of, he's definitely the leader of all the apostles, right? So Peter is speaking on behalf of the apostles. Uh, says this, or the apostles say this, and Peter says this, right? So he's, he is the leader. And so he has a, that strong attitude, that, that fiery zeal, that leadership mentality. And he's just, 
if Jesus says it, then we're going to do it. Like that type of mindset. If Jesus says it, then we will do it. And uh, I, I have a lot of admiration for that. Uh, just kind of that idea of St. Peter and what he was. Uh, and so him loving uh, Jesus the most and being called to be the first pope. And then St. John being loved by Jesus the most. This is recorded in scripture, especially in St. John's gospel, huh? Uh, the disciple whom Jesus loved. He loved all his disciples, but John was his, his beloved, right? He, in regards to like, he loved St. John the most. And this is okay to kind of realize this, people, that Jesus, that God loves all of his creatures, but God loves a human being more than a plant, right? And so there's, there are levels to his love. There have been saints, of course, that God loved, that's able to hold the love of God more than, let's say, me, 100%. Right, so Saint Padre Pio was able to accept God's love more and able to hold more of God's love than I. For sure, right? There's no question about that. And so, while and I like how you said that, if I'm hearing you correctly, mm -hmm. um, you're not saying that God loves this saint more than He loves you. What you're saying is Padre Pio was. He had the ability because of the relationship that he had with God and the amount of time that he spent in that relationship, he had the ability to hold God's love more. Yes. And I think about like a 10-gallon bucket versus a little thimble. I'm the thimble. They're the 10-gallon bucket. Ooh, and I like that because we have the, also have the ability to grow and is Lent not a time for us to do that. We have a, the ability to grow in that relationship the more we sit in that relationship from the thimble to the 10-gallon bucket. Mm -hmm. So we have the capacity and the ability to become, to be able to hold God's love the way that Padre Pio did. It's how much are we going to carve out of our days to sit in that relationship with God? Mm -hmm. Yes. And I said in my, uh, my homily for the third person, which was, I said, Andrew, and I, in the pulpit, I was like, man, that doesn't sound right. It was his middle name. I mean, it was James Andrew. It had to be, right? Yeah, we'll say that. <laughs> hyphenated. It's hyphen. Yeah, it's hyphenated. Uh, but it, James, right? I'm wondering now if James was now the first. Now everybody's confused. They're like, oh, look, I'm, we're walking through this together, people. Uh, <laughs> James, so yeah, St. Andrew was martyred, and that, but he was martyred on the St. Andrew cross, which was an X, right? And in fact, we have... Uh, vestments, uh, often our daily mass vestments are the St. Andrew vestments, right? It's um, different vestment cuts or styles of vestments are named after different saints. Ooh, that's a Catholic trivia question. You could use at a party. Oh, yeah. So the St. Andrew cross, the St. Andrew vestments, right? Uh, the ones that I promise you everyone knows um, are based off of his cross, the way he was killed. Now, St. James, I'm not sure how he was killed. Um, but I was reading, it said that, you know, he was the first martyr. And so he was the first one to die for the faith. And so it, it goes to show that this, that Christianity is all about relationship with Jesus. That those three that he called to the transfiguration to behold the beatitude, to see what is to come, Christ transformed, Right to be with the prophets of the Old Testament and finally behold God and live. This whole thing is based on 
this true relationship with Jesus. And this true relationship with Jesus is one definitely within the Catholic Church, right? Underneath Peter, the first pope, right? It's definitely with this me loving God and God loving me, with St. John, and then ultimately me being able to suffer for the faith. Mm-hmm. Uh, St. James, dying for the faith. Yeah. So it's, it is about a relationship with Jesus, being able to finally get to heaven and behold God. Mm-hmm. The church is the vehicle that fosters that relationship. It gives us the graces we need. It gives us the intimacy we, we mm-hmm. need, right? Um, to grow in that relationship because it's ultimately the relationship in the context of all the things that the church gives us that helps us to be holy. And the grace that we receive in the sacramental life of the church fosters that relationship and it also overflows from us into the world. Mm-hmm. The church is the vessel that helps us to grow in holiness so that we can bring holiness to the world. Yes. Yeah, it's, and being baptized does that, mm-hmm. right? So I'm baptized into, into Christ. And that's where my relationship begins. I'm baptized into him. And this divine life is finally within me. The Holy Spirit dwells within me now. I have an indelible mark on the soul, which means it's not, it cannot be removed. I have a mark on my soul that claims me for Jesus Christ. The church is the mountain where we experience the transfiguration. Bingo. In the context of our relationship with Jesus. Yeah. I had a professor who wrote his uh, doctorate thesis on the light that radiated, uh, specifically on the type of light that radiated from Jesus at the transfiguration. I never read it, but I bet that would have been really cool. Man, you theologians are strange sometimes. Well, you know, because (laughs) he was able to pull, and this is such a neat idea, he pulled from all the different types of light that radiate within Scripture, right? So the light, all the lights from all the creation of Genesis, from receiving the Ten Commandments, or the light that's, that's going off of the face of Moses, okay, the the light that assumed Elijah, okay, now the light that transforms uh, in the transfiguration, or the the light that uh, radiates from the Holy Spirit as it descends at Pentecost, but then also at the baptism of the Lord. It, you know, it's it's interesting. I had never read it, but I bet that would have been cool. Hmm. I bet it would have been cool to be at the transfiguration. <laughs> <laughs> I remember sitting at a breakfast table, and maybe we can just land with this. Um sitting at a breakfast table and the next day was the feast of the transfiguration and priest friend of mine was sitting there. Um, it was me and a few people that were involved in ministry. He's like, all right, help me, help me plan out my homily. Tomorrow's the feast of the transfiguration. What do I say? And I said, Oh no, it was the Ascension. Never mind." Yeah. I was, I, I just looked at him and said, just get up there and say, man, wouldn't it have been cool? And then walk away. Yeah. <laughs> like just my, so, well, uh, I had a priest that said, uh, pray more, sin less. Mm. And then he just went to sit down. <laughs> <laughs> well, I always thought like if I did that for my very first homily as a deacon, well, people would have followed me forever. I've heard, I've not experienced, I've heard that when Father Steve was pastor here at the O Dark 30 Mass, he'd get up sometimes, he'd proclaim the gospel and then he'd say, and I think it, I think the gospel speaks for itself. And he'd go sit, sit down, down and just sit in silence for a minute. <laughs> Maybe that's what I need to do. 
<laughs> on a Sunday. On a Sunday. That'd be interesting. I think you have to give a homily on a Sunday. You I think do. the rubri- rubrics require it. <laughs> you do. Yeah. So, all right. Well, um, the fulfillment of the old, right? Um, the, the light that illuminated the friendship, right? Um, Jesus being that window that allows us to peer into the heart of God. Yep. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Share it with your friends. Be sure to like us and follow us on your podcast. Listen to this. We look forward to seeing you all this weekend. God bless. God bless.